Hi, I'm Marika and welcome to Money Chill Out. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading flows in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindsets, investment habits and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. And when you're ready to go further in mastering your finances, come and work with me on a one-to-one coaching. You'll grow your awareness, move on with your projects, and have an accountability buddy to track your progress. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Joanna, a master in the recruitment space who's going to shed a light on knowing your worth. After working for big organizations, she's launched a business being a talent lead in the startup world and helps recruit junior to C-level profiles. After a slow activity in 2020 because of the pandemic, her space is now a hot topic. Many organizations fight to attract and retain smart individuals with what's been called the great resignation. So let's learn more about her world and how she can help us feel empowered with money at work. So hi Jo, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm super happy to have you on this podcast. So thanks for your time. I'm uh, super interested in today's subject as it englobes literally everyone, whether you work for a company, you eye for another one, or you want to negotiate contracts for your own business and money matters are always there. So let's hear about your experience and get real tips on how to be more assertive and get the fair price. So can you tell us a bit more about what you do and what it is to be a talent lead? Yeah, of course. So obviously talent, as you can probably guess, it's about people and it's about, you know, hiring and, and retaining talent. So talent lead is usually a function that you find in a company. And I think everyone else calls it HR or, you know, recruitment. And um, it's about looking at the entire life cycle of an employee from the moment, you know, you start hiring. So, you know, you advertise and run interviews, select candidates all the way to the point they onboard your company. So they're finding you. And then, you know, as a talent lead, you also follow those employees throughout the time in your organization and um, everything about career progression, learning and development, keeping them happy and engaged and helping them, you know, make the best of their time in your organization. So the talent function is really about this entire experience someone will have with you and your organization. Okay, amazing. So how does it compare to a headhunter? Headhunter is more specific than the talent lead. Exactly. I mean, headhunter is actually, it refers to just one section of the talent function, which is about finding and selecting candidates. So going out, sending messages on LinkedIn, contacting your network. It's just about finding new people and finding new talent. So it's, it's just a very specific portion of it. Um, usually headhunter are actually agencies. So, you know, they approach that with a much more transactional model. It's an outsource function outside of your organization. So just go out you someone, um, send you the candidates, and then you, you pay a high fee for that. And you're recruiting for startups. So what the portion of women you're trying to place? No, to be honest, I don't have quota. I never have, and I, I think, I hope I will never will, you know, helping 
females and supporting female employment doesn't mean you have to discriminate against men. I like to hire the best person for the role through, like, you know, structured interview and a robust selection process. However, you know, it's true, you're right, diversity and gender representation is becoming a big topic, and rightly so, you know. But there are lots of ways to increase female applications and interest. In the startup world, I think we're fairly lucky because it's quite a dynamic and kind of booming sector. And most roles tend to attract a fairly balanced amount of both men and women. Exception of a few industry or a few sectors like software engineering or data, where finding females is very hard. But I would say usually, I think I have a good 50-50 ratio in terms of, you know, hiring either male or female. And I think every startup, you know, it's becoming such a hot topic that I think there's an awareness that it's important to have a diverse workforce. I think everyone I know are trying to kind of champion those kind of gender equality. Some are better than others at making it a reality. But I think in the start of all, I think that, that awareness is definitely there. Glad to hear that. So let's get to the question of money. So whenever there's a job offer, what kind of strikes me that there's not much transparency. So salary or prices for services aren't often disclosed or the range is so broad that actually it's useless or sometimes as well it's written competitive, which doesn't really mean anything. So why do you think salary disclosure seems so hard to get? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think the main reason, it's usually more of a legacy issue. So let me explain what I mean by that. And it's something that, you know, I constantly speak about with my clients. Generally speaking, if you can advertise a salary, it's much better for everyone. It's much better for the company because you will attract people that you know you can afford. You won't have to scroll through like 25 applicants that are going to be, you know, 15K over your budget. I mean, it ends up wasting everybody's time, your time, the candidate's time. So in an ideal world, that should be the case. It would make everyone's life a lot easier. Fortunately, a lot of companies have other employees in similar positions, you know, and more often than not, if you look at, let's say, not three employees doing the same job, very likely those three guys will probably have a very different salary, you know. And sometimes it's because some are more experienced than others or they have been hired and had managed to perform it better, so have been able to negotiate higher salaries for one reason that makes them even more employable or maybe more performant, they managed to squeeze an extra thousand out of their job offer. So there's no transparency because there's pretty much no transparency with their own employees. You know, if you cannot be transparent internally, then you cannot become transparent externally. And unless companies are willing to kind of look at better ways, you know, frameworks, pay structure, higher progression, having like a, a set of rules they want to follow in terms of, of pay, it will be very hard to be, you know, transparent externally with, with candidates. It's definitely more political, yeah. Because, yeah, no one benefits from that, you know, no one. Certainly not the employer and even less candidates. If you are a startup and you are capable of putting a framework, so you decide, for example, that sales manager, you decide three levels, like entry level, mid-level, and senior level. And you decide that for each of those categories, people will have a certain set of skill set and competencies, and then you will be likely to pay 25 for a junior and 35 for 45 for a mid-level and then more for, for the senior. Once you have that kind of framework internally, you can you can explain and discuss with your employees. This is why we're paying you this. And this is what you can get to get to the next level and increase your, your salary progression. Mm-hmm. Unless you have that, salaries are very taboo and you are unable to be transparent with employees and therefore you are unable to be transparent with the market. Yeah, yeah. So. 
communication-wise, so prices discussion often comes last and it's as if people want to avoid the subject, kind of. So do you see big differences between men and women in their easiness? Oh, massively, yeah. My first advice would be if you hire a salary, should not come last because, you know, I personally try to ask salary expectations on some of the first conversations I have with people. You don't want to take someone throughout an entire process and you don't, you can't afford them. You know, it's kind of a waste of time. We're talking about hours of your time and their time. So yeah, it would be, it's super important to kind of get that out. If you don't advertise your salary, then at least ask early on in the process, for the sake of everyone involved, what they will expect to get. And make a, a hard call on it if it's not possible to be, be clear and honest with them and say, listen, we can't, we can't do that. When comes the salary offer stage, 80, I would say 80% of the time, women do not negotiate. Honestly, in my experience, they tend to negotiate a lot more. And also there's a seniority thing, you know, junior candidates very rarely negotiate. And I think they don't feel in a position of power. And to be honest, it's actually not a position of power. But that's a, a preconceived idea is that you can't negotiate, you don't have, you know, you cannot stand your ground. Uh, but with time and experience, obviously more experienced people tend to, to negotiate more with salary. But yeah, I, uh, I've seen that. I've realized that it's true. Women tend to negotiate the salary a little bit less. Money should not be a taboo, you know, when it comes comes to work. We are all there for money as well. We're not working just for the greater good. So if you're doing a job and you're creating an output, then you deserve to be paid, period. So I think this thinking is kind of getting more phased out in a new generation of people that I've interviewing are happy and they can easily explain what they want and why they think they deserve that amount of, of money. But, um, rising cost of living, inflation, people are less afraid of, of talking and saying, okay, I want to earn that because I think I deserve that. And, and I totally agree, like, especially when you're young and you're starting, of course, you're still lucky to have a job and so on. But as you said, like the more experience you have, definitely you should advocate for yourself. And on top of lack of transparency for salaries, I also noticed there's a lack of transparency for full list of benefits. So, for example, when you're about to move company, you're clearly going to have like a, like a, the list of pension or holidays that would be disclosed, but there's never ever mentioned for paternity or maternity leave, for example. So do you think it's a great way to actually differentiate yourself? And especially in that world where the work and um, work-life balance is much more important? Massively, absolutely. You know, paternity, maternity leave, maternity pay, flexible working policy, private health insurance for the whole family. Those are things that are going to talk to certain demographics, families and females, you know, generally speaking. So if you can add that to your list of benefits, then suddenly you, you would attract and become a much more attractive employer to certain minority. You know, it's not used more often because, for example, like offering a more comprehensive maternity pay costs a bit more money for the company you know it's the same for offering a private health cover it costs the employer money to put in place and offer to their employees so some companies just don't want to invest in it and they feel that they, either they don't have the budget or they don't have the desire or they feel that they don't need that to attract a good candidate but in my experience i think it's a very competitive market with brexit especially in the uk with the talent pool is getting like smaller and smaller by the day we can't hire out of the uk so being attractive is going to become like a key if you want to survive, if you want to be an attractive employer. So it's generally when you see like some benefits are definitely not, you know, up to scratch. And sometimes, you know, yes, of course, some of them cost money, but there are other ways as well to put a, like a list of benefits that don't cost the earth and will make a difference. So 
yeah, I think benefits are definitely a, a great way to become an attractive employer. Mm-hmm. Especially because this policy already exists. It's just a question then to find out. But of course, you don't necessarily want to ask these questions <laughs> before even entering the company. So, yeah. You actually should ask those questions. I mean, they are part of the benefits and maybe not like straight away in the first interview, but, you know, towards the end, if you reach the end of a process, yeah, ask about benefits. Lots and lots of companies are actually advertising those benefits now on the job description. So that's becoming, you know, part of uh, the way they attract candidates. So mm-hmm. benefits are becoming a way of selling your job. Yeah, yeah. I remember I did ask for one interview that I had. So, yeah. (laughs) Go for it, Mary. Go for it. Ask for it. You're right. So let's go into like being empowered on money at work. So we've seen the lack of transparency makes it pretty hard to assess ourselves. So what do you recommend so that people have an idea of salaries in comparable positions? Yes. A few steps you can take, and that's what I would recommend everyone do when, whenever you want to either negotiate your job offer or you want to renegotiate your salary. First, you go on Google and you find a salary benchmark. We have a few websites in the UK. I can think of payscale.com, for example, or Glassdoor. They are great tools. They tend to aggregate different data points. And you can see, depending on locations, you can have an average salary and a median, as well as the high and low you can expect for your position. Another good way is to go on a job board, either on LinkedIn or the, don't know, like Indeed or talent job or anywhere. And just, you know, you compare, you look at similar job offers and similar kind of job ads in the industry and you check the salaries. Sometimes salaries are advertised. So how does it compare to yours? Is it lower? Is it higher? You can, you know, try to find six or seven once again data point just to kind of compare and see where the market stands. Certain big agency like A's or Michael Page, once a year, they publish what they call like a comprehensive salary guide. What they do, they, they aggregate the entire market intelligence into one single guide that is usually extremely detailed by locations, by seniority, by industry. Uh, you can download it if you're willing to give uh, and trade your, your email address for that, for the pleasure of being able to download the guide. But once you have it, it's awesome. They like some very, very detailed kind of ideas of what to expect. So once you've compiled all of that data from job boards, from benchmarking tools, and then potentially from, from guides, you should have a, a fairly good idea where you stand and what the market is out there and can offer. So you should be able to enter your salary negotiation, not only with data, but with good negotiation tool that would make it easier for you to get where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know about the guide from Michael Page and Son, so it's a really good uh, tip, thanks. And I guess as well, you encourage people to speak about pay with their network. Yeah, absolutely. If you have like good friends, or if you have like a good relationship with a recruiter or an agency where you work before because they placed you in a role or, I mean, money, and I think in the UK, it's, it's even an easier culture because people are more open to talking about money but definitely you know I like to speak about salary with my friends maybe because I'm, I've been recruiting for too long and it's part of the question I ask every day but yeah as much as possible absolutely if you can talk about it just go for it yeah and so if imagine there's some people who not necessarily at ease with money and especially speaking about money at work how can they change their mindset you need to be assertive do your research prepare and be ready to negotiate. The reality is most like most employer, whenever they extend an offer to you, they are probably aiming for a lower end of their budget. There's always a little bit of a buffer because they expect you may come back and try to negotiate. So you get a job offer from a company and you 
you know, you're feeling okay, but you think you could get a bit more, then absolutely just go and come back and try to negotiate. They will expect it. It's not unexpected. It's, it's not going to be something that gets uh, like, oh, that's a big surprise. Companies expect that to happen when they make an initial job offer. If you take it as it is, brilliant. It means they will probably pay you less and get you more, like, get more out of you. But yeah, if you can and if you have um, like the courage and have enough data and have done your research and feel confident that you can negotiate, just go for it. I think it's all about research and knowledge empowers you. And be confident in the fact that most companies and even, you know, managers are often, very often having this conversation anyway. Asking about a pay rise or asking about more money, it's something that happens on a daily basis in every organization. You won't be the first person that wants or asks for it. You certainly won't be the last. Mm-hmm. And what's the most important for you? Is it finding the right salary first or hoping that it grows over time? The ideal job has both. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to give a very personal advice. That doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but for me, it needs to be right. I think taking a job when you feel you're underpaid from the get-go, obviously, it's never a great tactic because you will end up being frustrated. It may take you three or six months, but there will be a point where you're feeling you're doing more and you're not being paid what you deserve. And it's very hard to deal with that frustration, and especially when it's of your own making because you made that decision and you accepted that. So you should be entering a job with like, at least the feeling that you're being paid fairly. It doesn't have to be like an amazing amount of big package or big salary, but it needs to be fair. And if you rely on, on your job site to increase or if you have been said like or been given promises that it will, those are future-based hypotheses. They may not happen, you know, and sometimes, especially in startup world, things don't go the way you hope, you know, they have often rough patches where the business makes less money or the business has to downsize or... But nothing is never certain. That's my point. So if you're starting on board in a company and you're not feeling happy about your salary and you're waiting on that six months review that may never come, obviously you are in for a rough ride. And, and also, you know, if, if you start accepting salaries that are below the market rate or below what you deserve, then it's about almost like a, a catch-21 because you will go out of that company with a lower salary and then you will go somewhere else, interview with another company, and they will quickly realize that you've been underpaid. And um, the question when you are talking with someone that you know is much better than that and haven't been given the right amount of money for a certain time, the question is, why it's on there? Then you can spend your career trying to catch up on on that gap and trying to increase your salary to get back to the market rate. So my advice would be, no, you should definitely be, be paid where you're worth and from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you on this one. Otherwise, as you said, it's frustration and then you're always hoping for something, but you never know, like your manager can change, the company can do worse than expected, the environment can be different. So yeah, I have it right straight away. So if you don't necessarily have negotiation power, either because you're an entry level, either because it's not really what you can do in your industry, what else can you ask for? I think when you grad or you know you see like money sometimes is it's not something you can easily negotiate we don't have the track record or the, the expertise to kind of really ask for more money but a very good way to get something out of an organization and a win-win is to ask for a training course or certification there are lots of ways that are honestly monetary that will bring you more expertise that will make you more employable obviously will come out of the learning and development budget of the organization. And by doing that and investing in you, they will benefit from it. You know, they will get more expertise and you know, obviously more outputs out of you as an employee. 
So if you can't negotiate on salary, then try to negotiate in terms of funding and development, like support in training or, or support in, in professional development. Mm-hmm. No, I really think it's a great way. Yeah. And and we've mainly focused on people who want to change jobs, but like for current employees, what are your tips to empower them with a salary discussion? Because you're probably the one who has to get like the discussion. So what are your tips? Once again, I'll, I'll go back to what I said, just empower yourself with the research and the data as well. So Assuming you're up for like a salary review, just spend I don't know, one hour or two hours the day before just to do some research about where the market is using the tools I mentioned earlier in terms of having an idea of just understand, am I paid well? Am I underpaid? Or am I actually already lucky and I'm unpaid well? Then review your performance. So if you are lucky to be in a good organization and have a good management team around you, you should have clear objectives and KPIs you need to achieve. And then you can demonstrate that you have been performing, achieving those objectives. The best moment to ask for salary or pay review comes two times, really. Like one, when your scope of your responsibility change. So if you have more projects or if you've been asked to manage a small team or if you've been asked to go above and beyond what you were initially hired for, you are in your right to ask for a pay review or ask for, for that increase in salary. Also, another good time to do so is when you, your annual review comes and you're capable because you've done your research and you know you've been achieving your, your KPIs, that you can demonstrate that you know you've been performing and it's maybe time for you to look at the next step. What's my career progression? Can, how can I move to the next step? So once again, it's about knowledge and having the data supports what you want and what you want to negotiate. Once again, it's about being conscious that this is not a taboo for most companies. They are doing that on a daily basis, having conversation about salary. As I said, you won't be the first or the last one to do so. Yes, stand your ground and, and be ambitious because companies will, you will not get if you don't ask. A company will very happily keep you at the same level for five years, even though you're performing higher, even though you're doing more, even though they've been adding responsibility to your role. I don't want to blame them for that. It's obviously uh, that's in their interest. So if you don't ask and if you know, I've never heard and I've never seen anyone getting a pay rise because the manager offered it. It's, it's very, very rarely happen. Pay salary happens because the employee asks for it. Otherwise, the company will hardly carry on the way things are. Yeah, and that is crazy because I guess when you're out of school, you imagine, oh, yeah, I'm at school, I'm getting good grades because I'm performing well. So in the company, it's going to be the same. Whereas, no, you need to, again, advocate for yourself and ask for those pay rises. Otherwise, nothing going to happen. They won't happen exactly. There is no incentive for the employer to pay you more if, if you don't have to. So it's unfortunately that, that that's the case. So you don't feel this hard to know, oh my God, they haven't realized my worth and they're not offering me more money. They probably have realized your worth, but yeah, why would they if you don't need to? So unfortunately, that conversation needs and very often needs to come from, from the employee to, to happen. Mm-hmm. And the don't ask, don't get, I got given this advice like really early in my career because probably I was in a very male-dominated environment, but clearly at the start, you're a bit like, whoa, <laughs> okay, let's talk about salary then. But yeah, as soon as you open up, like the effects are pretty amazing. You feel there's transparency and yeah, at least they know and they have no excuse for not knowing. So whatever happens after, if you're happy, I mean they would know because you've already told them what you were aiming for. So, yeah. You know what? The worst that can happen is you don't get that pay increase. That's the worst. You know, that's the worst scenario. You just don't get it. 
But rest assured that no one has ever been fired for asking for more money. It won't penalize you. You won't lose your job or you won't lose your job offer for trying to, to negotiate. And do you advise asking more than what you want? Not really, to be honest. I think something that is important in salary negotiation is credibility, right? You need to come up and you need to show and be able to demonstrate. Once again, as I said, data and knowledge is important. Don't come in hoping to squeeze in an additional five or six K. And, and, you know, I think the employer will probably know that it's a bit too much. And it won't give you the best credibility. And we may just kind of sour the, the discussion even before it starts. So my advice would be come in with what's fair and what you think you deserve. Yeah, it's don't come in like trying to, to um, it's like sort of gambling exercise, really. Come in and be credible about where you ask for, because that's the best way to obviously get what you want. I like it. Yeah, especially because normally what you ask is like a fair price. So you don't want to overshoot you in the foot. So. <laughs> cool. And how often do you recommend these salary discussions? The best time is maybe every um, once a year when you get to the end of that quarter, that yearly performance review. And if you feel, you know, you've been performing well and if you think it's time for you to take the next step, then those are the right moments to ask for for salary. It shouldn't be something that comes up every every six months or every three months if there is no justification behind it. Employers like to talk about it and are happy and open to discuss when there is a good case. It's more like putting a business case behind why you want to be paid more. That will give you a better chance to succeed and increase your credibility. That's cool. Yeah, so let's open up the subject now. So have you had any funny stories on salary discussions or negotiations to give us? Not really, but if you really want to have a good laugh, you have the, for you, everybody knows the office, the US version. There's an excellent episode about salary negotiation that do make people. <laughs> so if you have time, just go on it. It's called Salary Negotiation, the office, US. Good tips and uh, a lot of humor. It's very funny. Amazing. I don't know. I'll, I'll check it out. <laughs> and um, what's the biggest jump in salary you've seen in the people you've placed? usually happens it was very high demand sector like engineering software engineering data engineering where there is definitely there's a um there's not enough people you know female and male like there's just not enough people the demand is too high for the supply in those kind of industry because it's so hard to a hire and it's almost equally as hard to be retain employers are more likely to kind of you know throw everything at someone if someone is good if you have a good software engineers and they're delivering amazing work I've seen some people increase their salary by sometimes 15k in a year, which is which is a lot. Obviously, that's not the norm. Don't get me wrong. Um, usually, we're looking more at a five 5k increase year on. Someone trying to push their salary, rarely above that, unless you have like amazing performance or at a massive promotion. Yeah, that's a uh, good info. And um, last one, you're French, but also English now. So, have you noticed big differences in our ways of dealing with money at work? Oh, massively. I think I think the French are you right. You know that, Marika, right? You're, you're French as well. But in France, money is taboo in every aspect of your life. It's not something you bring up with your family or your friends. Um, so we you know even less at work. So in the UK and the British in general are much more open. There's less taboo. I'm not saying it's like completely like an open topic, but there's more willingness to discuss. You just have to look at how they buy houses. It's like almost like people are putting offers. It's like, you know, it's not even like a fixed price like we have it in France. And so there is an approach to the economy, to the way people deal with money that is a, a lot different. And uh, in the UK, it's just easier to bring that topic. 
without feeling uh, an, 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 yeah, unease. I will never bring money into any conversation with any of my French friends or family. I don't think it will be well received and, you know, it will be, uh, will be a little bit odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Cool. So thank you so much, Anna, for this discussion. I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure it will make a lot of people think, want and dare to start to have this conversation. Sometimes all you need is a bit of a kick to go forward. So thanks for all your tips. Yeah, you've really added value. So thanks a lot and all your best for this busy period for recruitment. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. So at the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at maricafino.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you.